Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Welcome to a new season. What a guest we have to kick it all off. I have most of the episodes for this season already recorded and I think you're going to love them. So remember, if you like this show, subscribe to make sure that you don't miss an episode and please leave a nice review on iTunes as it really does help with the marketing. This is a dream guest, an absolute dream guest. She is fantastic and she has an incredible story. So let's get cracking. It's a new season, but nothing has changed. This show would not be the same without the terrible theme tune. Hello and welcome to a new season of Fascinated. My guest today is Kelly Bryan and there is a lot to talk to Kelly Bryan about. She has been a top talent agent and CEO of her own talent management company for the past 17 years. She has her own very impressive acting CV. She's done TV presenting, musicals, film, panto, reality telly, sitcom. But to a generation of music fans, she will always be Kelly, the smiley, youngest member of 90s R&B band Eternal. Eternal were made up of Louise Nerding, sisters Esther and Bernie Bennett and Kelly Bryan. Originally marketed as the UK's answer to SWV or En Vogue, their musical style was R&B with a gospel tinge. In fact, originally they were a gospel band called Him, H-Y-M-N. I have genuinely no idea how I know that. But I know it's true. I must have read it in Smash Hits. Anyway, they were heavily promoted and worked to a relentless marketing schedule of performances, photo shoots and interviews, peppered with their trademark a cappella number, Amazing Grace. Within weeks of their launch in 1992, their first single, Stay, was a massive hit. Their debut album, Always and Forever, made them the first ever all-female group to sell one and a half million albums in the UK. Hit after hit followed Stay, Save Our Love, which actually we will be talking about Save Our Love, Just a Step From Heaven and Oh Baby I. The awards and industry recognition started coming and their fan base exploded. After the first album, Louise left and went solo. Eternal were relaunched as a three-piece with the song Power of a Woman. They were all grown up now and the baggy jeans and caterpillar boots were replaced with corsets and leather trousers. The Power of a Woman album was massive and its singles I Am Blessed, Good Thing and Secrets continued the string of hits. Their tour venues became arenas and their success kept growing. Their third album, Before the Rain, contained their biggest hit, I Wanna Be The Only One. Eternal were of their time. They were a post-vinyl, pre-YouTube part of the 90s that doesn't feel old enough to be retro or camp yet, but it's soaked in nostalgia. In the early days, they smiled a lot. Kelly was the bubbly, outgoing one. She would dress up for sketches on Saturday morning TV, work the crowd at live shows and rap on their records. In watching some old clips, you see very quickly that they worked really, really hard. Sometimes they look exhausted. There are endless Join Eternal on tour segments that see them rigorously learning choreography, sleeping on coaches and being ushered from bus to venue and venue to bus. On YouTube, you will find a video of them performing a full show in Glasgow, Manchester and London all on the same day. Another is of someone from their management team with them in Germany, explaining away a crazy promotion schedule by saying it's not happening for them in Germany and they need to make it happen. Or, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist. It really did look relentless. But synonymous with the successes of Eternal are stories of tensions within the group. If you watch later interviews, they would rarely look at each other. Esther would look at the floor when she wasn't speaking and Bernie would look away from the camera. Sometimes a comment about the way the band worked or who did what 
would cause Kelly to shake her head or roll her eyes. And in one clip, she actually looks like she's about to cry. They just didn't get on and it probably should have imploded long before it did, but they kept getting bigger and bigger. They underscored five years of our lives. Maybe the success was too much for them. All three girls seemed shy and softly spoken and would often look overworked. And around the time Kelly was fired, they were having the biggest hits of their career. The week after performing to 100,000 people in Hyde Park, Kelly received a fax from solicitors acting for Esther and Verney to say that she was no longer a member of Eternal, citing breakdown in professional relations. Almost immediately, Mercury offered Kelly a £1.2 million solo deal and she started work on an album. The album was shelved shortly after it was finished as Kelly had been given the devastating diagnosis that she was suffering from lupus. Eternal surprised fans by reuniting in 2014 to take part in ITV's The Big Reunion. It was the first time they had spoken in 15 years and the first time they had all been together in 10. The girls learned quickly that the circumstances that led them to recording their parts for the third album separately were not all they had seemed. Esther and Verney apologised for everything that had happened to Kelly and Kelly described it as life-changing. A poignant moment in the show came when Kelly's mother says to her, You all had your issues but you are very, very young. We as parents trusted you in the hands of the management and I don't think they did a very good job. After they had put the past behind them, Esther, Vernie and Kelly reunited for an unforgettable live performance at the Hammersmith Apollo. After the big reunion, Kelly's battle with lupus started again and she began aggressive chemotherapy. At one point, she was unconscious for three days following a seizure caused by the lupus spreading to her brain. Today, Kelly is happily married with two children and she runs a very successful entertainment agency. She continues to battle lupus and is a patron for the St. Thomas Lupus Trust and tirelessly raises money for research. The big reunion answered some questions about Eternal, but what it didn't do was talk about the reasons why there was a problem and how these problems developed into an animosity that would eventually destroy what was the biggest selling girl group in the UK. I met Kelly in central London and she was everything I expected and more. She was funny and articulate and absolutely lovely. She isn't hugely nostalgic about her eternal days. She has 17 years under her belt as a successful agent. She has starred in movies, musicals, pantomimes and the BBC sitcom Me and Mrs Jones. And bizarrely, given her health battles, she was a kickboxing champion in 2004. But Kelly isn't dismissive of her time in Eternal either. Sometimes she talks about it with a twinkle in her eye with the sort of fondness and familiarity that you have for a really fun summer job you had when you were a teenager. It was never going to be your life and it was fun until it wasn't. And in some ways for Kelly, that's exactly what Eternal was. Okay, well, you think you're here for an interview, but actually what this is, this is an elaborate 20-year plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and last it has come to fruition. Um, because 20 years ago, I had tickets for the Good Thing Tour in the Point Depot in Dublin, and it was cancelled. Oh. And at long last, at long last, I have you here. <laughs> it's only taken 20 years. It's taken 20 years, but finally I get to confront you. <laughs> okay, no problem. Well, my humble apologies. I don't even know why Dublin was cancelled. I have no idea, but uh, I'm, I'm, my apologies. My sincere apologies, because I'm a massive fan of Ireland and... Um, got really good friends there, family in Tipperary. Like, I would have been right at home. So All right, I'm so, really but you sorry. just thought, no, no, not going, not no. going. And that was enough. Never. <laughs> we were never, ever like that. Never. So I don't know what happened. Um, I couldn't even begin to imagine. I remember at the time, I think somebody said somebody had flu. On a tour, that's, that takes you out entirely. And if that did happen, Esther would have been devastated because she's the kind of person that, you know, if she couldn't perform she she's like she really takes it personally and you know she would really take that as quite heavily you know if ever we've had to cancel because of her vocals she's been like oh she she doesn't take well to that yeah so can you can you believe that it, it was 1992 when eternal started yeah you were just saying before before the entry started you're mm. 17 years working as an agent now your own yeah. company yeah <laughs> you look exactly the same oh thank you <laughs> i think you're wearing you're wearing one of the hats that uh, uh, you know like, what i'm wearing this to keep my keep me warm it's freezing today yeah yeah really <laughs> Yes. It really is, yeah. Um, so tell me, what was it like? When did Eternal start? Um, so Eternal s started um, sort of early 90s. We, um, Louise and I were at school 
having a great time. Um, we're at school with like Russell Brand and um, really? Martin McCutcheon. Yeah. What was Russell Brand like at school? Oh, you know what? I actually dated Russell. He said it in the book, so I've got no problem saying that. He, he said it first, so I can kind of, I feel all right to say that now. But um, he was great. We had such a great time. Um, our school was a real mixed bag of people from different areas, different cultures, different backgrounds, um, different sort of levels of um, affluency because it was such an expensive school. But, you know, there were some people that, you know, got in on a favour, you know, that kind of, we got, I got a grant, for example, from my local borough. And um, so it was a real mixed bag of different types of people from different places and people that you would never normally meet. Um, wow. And so we had a great time. Um, it was a really eclectic mix of people, great energy. It was a bit like fame, the school, because we'd be in like in the canteen and dancing and singing and, you know, just having lots of fun. Um, and back in the day, you were one for the splits. Yeah, I, Yeah, that I seemed to happen quite a bit. Yeah, it happened quite a bit. You know, it was always like, that's that's kind of my little thing. Like, like you know, like, it's your party trick. Do that thing you do, yeah, yeah. right? You know, yeah, it was like one of those. So when Eternal started, it was your, your uh, Louise was in the band first. Yes. Is that the way it worked? Um, yes. So um, Esther and Bernie had already been found. And then Louise, um, she, she was spotted in a nightclub. And we were both at the nightclub at the same time. Um, and we had such, it was so funny, we'd like saved up all our pocket money because uh, we wanted to get our outfits and we bought like, you know, proper platform. We went, actually went to Shelley's and Oxford Circus to buy our platforms. Like, you know, that was major for us. You know, we'd saved up, I don't know, it probably took us about six weeks to buy a pair of shoes. Um, and we, you know, we'd planned our outfits and everything it was me, Lou and Sophie. And we, we went out for the night and yeah, Dennis was there um, Dennis Inglesby and he just gave her a card and said look I'm a record producer please contact me and we just didn't think anything of it we were like oh he's just trying to pull you Lou like you know come on because you know you know all of those stories we're going we're, you know we're big grown up girls going out underage clubbing in London so and the first thing you get is a yeah, card I'm you're a like I'm a record yeah, producer yeah alright then yeah, nice to meet you like okay. you know I've got my eye on you she's my best friend you're not gonna attack her or pull her in a taxi you know that kind of thing you know because you've been you know been warned a million times from your parents so you're kind of like super on your guard and um so yeah so we didn't really think even of it and then we were at school one day and um I think we were just bored and we used to pray this prank on our French teacher if we were bored we would just go oh so miss Sophie's lost her uh, contact lens and then we'd all scrap around the floor and then we just sort of well we used to do silly things like that and that kind of caused a diversion so we could get out <laughs> and that's what we did <laughs> and in those days it was a call box so we went to the call box and we were like oh let's just dial that number and see and so we were all standing around the call box and we called it and yeah and it was like Polydor Records and we were like oh, hang up <laughs> <laughs> thinking anyway Hysterical. it's like hello it's a you know call system they're not going to know they probably think you got disconnected rather than you're a little yeah. kid who's hung up anyway so we called back and then she got put through to Dennis and um he said yeah I'm a record producer I work here at Polydor Records and I'm putting together a band and I remember seeing her face going okay right yeah, so would you like to come down and meet me perhaps? You know, bring your parents and, and I could just see her face. She was like and then she got she put the phone down and she said, Oh my god, he's like he's a real record producer and he really does work at Polydor Records and he wants to meet me and my mum and we were like ah! <laughs> and Then we all started screaming and jumping around the call box like complete lunatics. And she was like, Oh my god, oh my god and we were just so excited for her because, you know, we're all in that environment to get a break. You just didn't expect it to come in that way yeah you know? exactly you, know, you feel like there'd be a yeah you feel like there'd be like this you know but it did and it and um so there she was and she went to meet the girls and she said the first meeting was fine um and there was another girl and that didn't work out and so they said to her you know do you know anyone else she said yeah my friend kelly she goes to our school she dances and she sings and then i came up and met the girls and then they were like yeah and dennis was like you're up. in and then i was like Okay, good. And so, and that was it. 
And before that, was that what you wanted? Was no, that, never, no. ever. No, really? No, never, no, no. Couldn't have been further from what I wanted to do. I was there to, to train in all aspects. Um, I was really working hard on the theatrical side of things. I really wanted to be an actor. And I was just fortunate that I could sing and dance. I was like, okay, good. Okay, yeah, you know, like, the side like a little. Okay, at least I can do that and that. So I could kind of cast my net a bit wider and be like, well, if I don't get a job in this, I can at least do this and that and <clears throat> have some options. And from the time of that phone call to, say, stay being mm. a massive hit, mm. how long did that take? Two years. Is that two years really very wishy-washy? Like, do, do you have faith in it? Or, or, or like, are you, do you completely <coughs> believe in it or are you going in and out? I think it's difficult to answer because, you know, I'm sitting here in hindsight, right? Yeah, so, yeah, But, yeah. like, at the time, I think we were just excited to give it a go. So there were no expectations. It wasn't like, oh, okay. we're going to be massive or, oh, we're going to do... We were just like, look, I've quit college you know we walked and like you know we were our college basically said to us look if you join this band you're gonna have to leave so I was like okay Auf Wiedersehen <laughs> bye like literally it didn't take me two minutes to make that decision you know my yeah. mum was like bye yeah. right <laughs> you're supposed to just be supporting this kind of that's what you're there for to support yeah, the that's talent strange, not to it? then say right anyway so it didn't take two minutes to make that decision so I think I, I made that decision thinking, well, we'll just go and have fun because it's, yeah. it was Lou and I. And I was like, we're really good friends at school. I think you're really good friends. You know, like we used to do sleepovers. She would sleep at mine, I would sleep at hers. And, you know, we'd just have so much fun when we were growing up. We used to do silly things like, you know, singing into a hairbrush around the radio and just having fun. We've all done We've all been a Nolan sister at one point in our lives. Absolutely. <laughs> we were Pepsi and Shirley. You talking about, yeah, right? She was, I was like, she was white, Pepsi and Shirley, right? So Perfect. Perfect. But, yeah, we didn't, yeah, we just did it because we thought, oh, it seems like it's going to be fun. Yeah. And when it took off and it, like, it really took off. Like, you were, you, the band were massive so quickly. But it wasn't, it didn't feel like that for us because we had two years. Of course. So, yeah, yeah, yeah so it didn't feel like, oh, overnight success, look at this. And also, at the time, there were bands that were doing that. They'd go in and go, wow, look at this, that's amazing. But for us, it was a real, it felt like a real slow burner because before the record actually was played on radio, we were out doing the hard slog. You know, there was no social media, there was no YouTube clip, there was no... So you had to be there yourself physically. Okay, yeah. So it changes the game entirely. You know, like, you can go now, look, check this link, this is this new band, spread. It didn't exist. Yeah. So in a, it, it was, if you want them to know you, you need to go meet them. Okay, so <laughs> okay? it was literally singing yeah. in nightclubs. So it was literally in the back of a transit van, you know, with uh, Roger Sell legend of a tour manager um and he was amazing and we just drive 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 stop get out hi we're eternal doom, 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 doom. Amaze. you know come out oh yeah <laughs> and then you know we'd get out and we'd do three songs and literally get you know pelted with nuts and crisps <laughs> And you'd slip over in the beer because, you know, somebody cleared the space. Yeah. Wasn't pretty, you know. And the DJ would go... <laughs> the humble beginnings. Um, yeah, we've got a band on for you now. And they'd go, oh. <laughs> Literally, before we even started, they'd be like, oh, we... Like, because, you know, at, remember in those days, it was like proper trance music. Doosh, doosh, doosh. Yeah, yeah. Doosh, doosh. So everybody's going like this. This music. And then cut the music. Exactly, you see? Right, <laughs> precisely. And then they go, oh, some girls from uh, London called, what are you called? Eternal. Oh, Eternal. And they'd go, oh, thinking, right, well, I'm going to go to the toilet. I'm going to fix my lipstick. I'm going to, right, because they're going to annoy me. I just want to put the music back on. Yeah, yeah. And so they'd clear like this tiny little space on the dance floor where everybody's thrown up and beer and stuff. And so you'd be kind of going, Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it was hideous. And then, you know, we'd get to the end of the song. I remember stays like proper, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, uh, and they're like, what is this, right? We're like, 
acid now. Yeah, it was just... And that. right, right, exactly. And we've got this band with this slow-ass track. They're not even wearing anything particularly skimpy for the lads because he'd be wearing timbal and boots and big, and the big oversized jeans. jeans. Yeah. That's you know, a slog. That's a slog, right? <laughs> and then that's, you know, you'd come out and you'd go, I hated that. Like, we'd be like, oh, God, they hate us. That's <laughs> what we used to say to our tour manager. They hate us. We're like, don't worry, we're going to do an R&B club next week. Okay, great. <laughs> and when did, it, when did it start to go up? It started to change when the marketing campaign started. Because... Okay. But the marketing campaign was really clever because it was just like um, posters of our silhouette and it said, what is eternal? And so they were all up all over the place and people kept going, well, what is eternal? What, who is who? Then the next week it'd say, who is eternal? And we could kind of sense that because we'd go into a club and then there was some familiarity with the name. Okay. Um, and then we did like school tours and I think once we got into the schools, that was great because kids will just scream no matter what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because we were quite tomboyish, it was yeah, quite, you know, yeah. they could kind of relate and there wasn't that, you know, difficulty of, oh, she's, you know, not wearing very many clothes. And because at that time, you know, there were, you know, there were people that were like that, but because we weren't, I think it just kind of made them go, oh, well, she kind of looks a bit like I do, yeah. right? You know, yeah, and yeah. she's a bit like me. And then, you know, and people kind of found, children found a way to identify with us in a different way. Yeah. And so, especially when we started to do schools, it was just like, and girls were like, I'm going to do my hair like you. I'm going to wear my jeans like you. And then, and then we began to kind of find our own little feet, I think. You know, we found our own feet. And then, and then yeah, it started, what, the school tours were always bedlam like yeah. you know screaming and it was you know really really full-on and that was great and then from the school tours then the record got picked up by radio one and that was that was it then because after that i mean it was literally once we made the hit. playlist that was it really then it, it just had a life of its own but i think there was a, a little bit of um trepidation because at that time r&b music wasn't popular Okay. Just wasn't, didn't have a place in the charts. Not in terms of popular music. Yeah, because you're right, it was quite trancey and yeah, dancey. Yeah, very and... trancey, dancey, and, 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 or pop. You know, yeah. Kylie. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. late 80s, coming into the early 90s, that transition was really not about R&B music, unless you were American. And then you've yeah. got, you know, Jade, SWV, da, 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 you know, you've got all of those, but it just wasn't, the UK market just wasn't, it just hadn't happened yet. The transition hadn't happened. Yeah. There was a lot of hits from the first album. Yeah. I mean, once Stay broke, Stay, uh, I think, came in at 14. And they were like, oh, no, we wanted it to be top 10. But it just kept growing. It stayed around and stayed and stayed and then growed and then went to 12 and then da-da-da-da. And, and then went top 10. So we were, like, doing the same record for what felt like an eternity, right? Because yeah. we're like, we've been doing this for like, you know, at least six months before you'd even heard the record. And then you decide that you like the record. And then Brilliant. it sticks around. And then it's another six yeah. months because you like the record, right? <laughs> so it was a long time of the one record. Yeah. Um, but it was great because, you know, it, it made a huge stamp on the market and people then started to identify with who we were. They didn't really, it wasn't until we did like our first Top of the Pops that they were like, oh, that's what they look like because the campaign was just okay. a silhouette. That record, what were your favourite singles that come off that? I love Stay. I think it's a great record. I mean, it's a cover of Glenn Jones' track, but I... I no just, way. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. It's a Glenn Jones song. Um, but I guess yeah, so I love, I just love that because it's just a classic record. And um, what else did I love off that album? I think Yesterday was probably my favourite because the rest of them, <laughs> to be completely honest, were those tracks that people felt like, oh, well, just in case Day doesn't work, let's do some pop to make sure that we're still okay. hitting the market. So the first album was, was a compromise because we had to marry the crossover with what was happening, the transition, because people were just not ready for a British R&B group. Oh, right. So the album was, what you know, was a compromise, was like, okay, we, we think this song, and we'd go, really? 
There you go. Yeah, because every single <laughs> was really, really different. Did you feel that? Yeah, because yeah. like Stay was very R&B. Say yeah. Love was like a pop song. Uh-huh. And Bingo. then, um, <laughs> but that's oh, because, Baby I was a Yeah, like, but that's because you've got a record company going, uh, well, it's great, and that's, but we need to do pop next because we need people, cause, uh, whereas actually we're going, well, we're an R&B band. But at that time, you don't have that kind of sway because... Yeah, it's the first one. It's the yeah. first record. Who are you to tell me, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you just kind of shut up and go, okay, no problem. And it wasn't that we made <clears throat> anything, I think, that we didn't, you know, at least like or have some kind of, I mean, my least favourite song, I, I have to be honest, is Save Our Love. I just couldn't bear the song. Really? Yeah, hated it. Save our love, save our love. And were the other girls the same? Well, well yeah, pretty much. We are all pretty much like, <laughs> really? <laughs> this is going to be your next record. Great. <laughs> so you don't remember all the joy you found last spring? The joy you found last spring? That's the first line. Is that it? See? There you go. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> there you go. I hope that says it all, really. <laughs> yeah, it just was. What I, and I remember the video shoot and us all going like, because they sold it to us like, oh, it's going to look like water. And we got there and it was like these little trains. <laughs> and we were like... Really? <laughs> you know when you're like, because <laughs> they were like, oh, it's going to look like you're in water and the way it's going to be shot, video treatments, the way it's going to be shot, it's going to be like that and you're going to look like this and that and the other. And we got there and went, okay, <laughs> great. You know, I mean, literally, it was like, like this deep, you know, like millimetres. So we were like, great, this is going to be brilliant and so you know so you're already thinking not my favorite song in the world and then you go not my favorite video in the world either <laughs> right and so yeah and it was so dancey and jumpy and it was just like I don't even remember it doing the, vi- the vocal going Okay, I know there are fans that love it, and that's great. It's great. <laughs> but it's not your favourite? Certainly not. No. <laughs> and what came after that? Then there was... Uh, just, no, So Good, was it? I don't know. Oh. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, Save Our Love. I think then... I No, I think So, so Good came of what I think after. I think Save Our Love, then... Just a Step, then... That's good. So Good, then Oh Baby I, I think. Probably about right. Yeah, they were great songs. I mean, yeah. as soon as you listen to them, you're like, oh, I remember being yeah. in school and studying <laughs> and having to get up to take the CD single off. <laughs> you have to put on another one because I hated all the mixes. I was never one for mixes. See, but we love the mixes because <laughs> okay, that's when we that's got R&B. to be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Although I like, I really loved the single version of Just a Step because I just thought it was just, so it was just funky. powerful, right? Yeah. It was just musically quite i think quite ahead of its time it was brilliant i loved it so yeah so, so there there you go i love that one at the end of that first album that was when louise went yeah so that must have been tough yeah it was tough in many 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 ways because you've got to remember i joined the group thinking oh i'll just go hang out with my friend yeah not i want and to be a singer gone. yeah of course right so i'm like Okay, and you know, Lou and I have talked about her departure quite a lot because it was, it was a really tough time for her, really, really tough. And and I, you know, I could see it building, definitely. Um, and for me, I just, I just went, went down into a shell, yeah. an only child, right? So it's one of those things that I think only children are able to do. You kind of just. When when things change or you find yourself in a position like that where you feel like you're going to be vulnerable... Into a shell. You just lock. You just go, right, I know how to do this. And yeah. so, and that's what I did to get through. And... Was that the amount of pressure that was on you after a hit album, the combination of not being completely comfortable as a, as a group? No, it, it, you know, there was a lot going on. You know, because you've got this massive band, 1.5 million albums... Now, what this is going to change? What's what? So, for a record company, which, sorry to be rude, are sometimes kind of like glorified banks, right? 
they're like, hang on, 1.5 million on the first record. Let's do this again, right? Why, what are we talking about? Why are we looking at what's going on? How can yeah. we fix this, patch this up, make it work? And I can understand why, because you've worked hard for the last two years to build something, and then we finally break through, and it's a huge success, you know. And that what, was unparalleled. Why? I mean, yeah, like 1.5 million been, uh, for a girl band for at the time. For first record yeah. album, no. So for them, they were, I think, you know, hugely disappointed and also panicked because they're like, we don't want to lose momentum. We've worked really hard. A lot of money has been spent, a lot of energy, a lot of hard work from, from a team of people because our team was, I mean, relentlessly hardworking. And so it was a big, it was like, ugh. What do we do now? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what you mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we've done this. Yeah, it's amazing. One point five million hours, Brit Award nomination. Da, 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 da. And then it just, yeah. <laughs> right. And so. And did you get time off? I remember. I think it was maybe on the big reunion. You were saying like from six o'clock in the morning no, to eleven o'clock at night. You, you don't were... get. You, know, you don't get time off. No, no, no. There was no time off. So it was just basically we need another one. Yeah. It's just can you go do the next one? Oh, okay. While dealing with the fallout. <laughs> yeah, while everything's kind of crumbling around you. So it was weird because um, for me, it's on so many levels. Like my friend, do I go with my friend? Because that was also an option. Do yeah. I come with me and do a duet? And do you want to, or do you want to stay with the girls? But whatever, I'm going. So it's like, do I go with my friend? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that again. Because remember, I don't want to be a singer. Yeah, I don't want to be a singer. So I'm going to have to start all over, build all of that up again, just to do something I really don't want to do, to be with my friend. Not the right reason to make that decision, right? No, not at all. Just to hold their hand and be friends. That is fair enough. Nah. Mm. No, because what then? What then? You know what I mean? It's like you don't take a job to be with your friend. Yeah, okay. and I suppose you're at the point it's where you're not, becoming an adult yeah, as well. So. Yeah, you take a job because it's the right decision for you. Yeah. It's a career. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to start all over again. I've just worked my nuts off for two and a half yeah. years. Peanuts chucked on me. Finally made to you're get to a point. You're still not over the peanuts in your rice. <laughs> no, still not over that. But, and then what, start all over again? No, yeah. they don't want to do that. Yeah, I can understand that. And so she was like, "Well, that's fine." And she talked to me about it. And then she's like, "Right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go." I said, "Fine." And then I had to decide: stay, go, stay, go, stay, go. And I just thought, I don't know. I was in that place where and I suppose the money's starting to roll in at that point. I was, you're starting I was, to see reward. Yeah, but I, I, it wasn't necessarily money. It was more about fact. Okay. I'm quite practical. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't make any apologies for that either, right? For my whole life, I've always gone, you know, let's look at this in black and white. This is this, this is that. Which way are you going to go? What do yeah. you want to do? And I also knew where Lou was at at that time. And that wouldn't, wasn't going to be for me. Okay. So And, and when she right. left, she wasn't, she didn't know she was going to go solo at that point. She just wanted to go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that that was the right decision for her 100%. Like she had my support. I just knew. That was the right decision for her. When you went then to make a second album, mm-hmm. uh, when you were reapproaching the whole thing, I mean, were you enthusiastic about continuing? I don't know? think we all. I don't think any of us were because we were all really. Just, yeah, we were all just sad. Okay. We were just like, oh, this isn't what we wanted. This isn't what we thought we were going to. This isn't where we thought we were going to be. We thought we'd be going through this together. So, all three of us were like, oh, really? And they were like, come on, we need to make a new album. Then you pretend we were like. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. Could you give us a minute? Like, give me a minute. I've got to get over this. Like, I'm not just going to jump straight back on the train because you think it's important to make a second album. 
It's going to be crap if we're not in the right place, right? So it did take a minute. <clears throat> it definitely did take a minute. And then I think it was the music that drove us, really. It's a great album. I think it was the music because I remember Dennis was like, I've got a great record for you, girls. I was like, it's a great record. It's just it had in his ears. He's like, I've got a great record for you. You've got to listen to this. And I think we were in his car because that's when we always did listen to music. I mean, we'd literally go driving for hours just to listen to music. He would just drive up down the motorway. I know, it's crazy. But just so we could actually listen to music because he had a really good system in his car. And <clears throat> something about, I used to love it. I used to love it, get in the car, put the seatbelt on, and he'd go, check this out, Carol, what do you think of this? And I'd be like, yeah, love that then. Whatever, and he'd go, and this is what I think of the melody. And then that's, that's where a lot of stuff happened. And... And he played Powerful Woman. I was like, that's a monster record, Dennis. That's monster. And he was like, I think so. And I said, I think, he was like, I think it's right for you. He said, I think it's right for the band. You know, it, it's, it was before Girl Power. And so he was like, it's, yeah. it's a really strong anthemic message. And I think you guys should say it. Yeah. You should say it. This is what you should say. And it's, completely shifted the dynamic of the band because then it became about resilience, overcoming. And then whether Powerful Woman was a success or not was, was, was about overcoming all the things that we'd been through to get to where we were. And also a maturity, Powerful Woman, because we were yeah. now women rather than little girls running around in baggy trousers. So then we were wearing skirts and we were wearing heels and you know and the boobs were out and the da -da -da, yeah. you know and it was like you and know. you spent a significant time with your leg wrapped around the back of a chair oh, I remember yeah, lots of time. <laughs> and then that tour that was arenas and mm. you know um, and then lo there was loads of singles about I am blessed mm. and god there were some great songs yeah god. great songs I used there. to work at McDonald's at that time when I was mm. starting I think it was the end of school started college and I remember <laughs> I used to listen to Parable Woman on, on my disc man <laughs> <laughs> on a bus That's on a hilarious. bus and it was the laziest <laughs> it was the worst disc oh, man because the slightest piece and it would of, jump um, yeah, lint yeah and I had was, one of them was rubbish I had a disc man they were rubbish rubbish they were absolutely rubbish and they had all this sports like Philander you know like oh look at this really hard case and it clicks it like it still doesn't play like yeah, yeah it's great <laughs> that it's made of hardware but it still doesn't play it's just heavy I had one that actually had uh, like a glasses chain <laughs> <laughs> so just like hung so around the front it was hung like hung around the front no, no. Like a pair of tragic, tragic. <laughs> I love it. Rocking into McDonald's. I love it. Um, so, so after that, then you did the, the, the third one before the rain. Yeah. Which was the fun, and that was mm. things were fractious at that point, weren't they? Like you were, you were, you guys were recording. Hey, look, things are always fractious. It wasn't. It didn't start in at any particular point. It pretty much was like that from day one. You know, uh, I'm writing my biography at the moment, and it's really. Um, <laughs> it's really bizarre because when I because I'm writing it with a ghostwriter and so she asked me lots of questions and details and I'm like I don't know or did it you know was that then was that or was that before because you know our memories are so yeah yeah you know subconscious it's just like a big hard drive right but and apparently when you remember something you remember it the last way you remembered it yeah so it can morph yeah you know absolutely yeah. and so I'm going oh I don't know Really? And she'll go, no, 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 that was 92. And I go, was it? <laughs> and she's like, this is your book, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you have to work with me a little there. Let me just spend some time thinking about it. <laughs> it's it but it's, it, you know, it, it is that, that, that cut and dry, that your memories become a little yeah. weird, right? And on a daily basis, like, were you, was it just literally the communication wasn't there? between the three of you, or, or was it just um, that it was just... I mean, from day one, uh, the girls were like a little standoffish. Um, I think I think they felt like... Um, because their sister had had a previous... Um, had a previous experience in the industry. Oh. So, and they had kind of said... They'd kind of come to the table with that, you know... I think, or fear of being taken for granted and da da da, okay. da and being shafted and all of that. And so if you come to the table in that way, 
perhaps you're going to feel a little bit more, less comfortable than maybe us who are just like, yeah, let's just go for it, see what happens. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? We're just like, yeah, let's go. Like I said, we made the decision like, yeah. Sounds like a great idea. Okay, so straight away you're coming so from So straight away we're places. coming from two totally different places. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're coming from totally different places, your whole view of the experience is totally different. You yeah. know, like Esther was very, I mean, Vernie was very um, sort of business-minded and, you know, attention to detail of the contracts and da-da-da, I don't want to do this and we should do that and da-da-da. And I was like, hey, look, I've got a free ride here. Yeah. What have I got to lose? I've just walked out of college. Like, really? I'm fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I came from a place of gratitude rather than a place of, you know, we need to get this right. We need to be careful. Yeah. We need to be careful. We need to be cautious. We need to be... I just came from a place of, thanks. What are we doing? Where are we going? We're getting on a plane? Amazing. Ah, New York? Brilliant. Right. You know, totally naive, just like up for a laugh and fun. Yeah. But... The reality is there is a whole big business side to it that I didn't have a clue about. I had no knowledge of. Okay. And they did. And so it's both of them from, from their sister. So it's, it's not a bad thing to have that insider knowledge. Oh, no. Definitely not. Because yeah. on, in loads of ways, they were really helpful to myself and Louise who didn't know lots about it. So they'd go, no, that actually means this. Or a royalty is that. Or if you sign this, this is what this is going to mean. And so I was very quiet then because I knew very quickly that I was out of my depth. And so if that was the case, I was just going to be quiet because I was just listening because I didn't know anything. Not because I was being rude, but because I don't know. And so I'm not going to put my mouth on something that I don't know about. I'm just going to look like an idiot. So I'm very much like, I'll just listen, 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 learn, make loads of notes, go back, yeah. read, then come back with my questions. Yeah. That's the kind of And pers- Bernie approach. was almost a lawyer at that point, wasn't Absolutely. she? Absolutely. Because remember, okay. there's like five years between us. I'm the okay. youngest. Almost yeah, seven yeah, yeah. years, I think, with Bernie. So there's a massive big age gap there. And so I'm 15. Bubblegum pop, love Kylie. And they're like, um, I'm 19 you're, or 21 at that point. You know, yeah. she was 21. And different, right? Yeah, that's really I can drive different. a car. I can da 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 da. Yeah, I've still got my bus be, ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, with you know, my sisters and brothers, like, yeah. you know, you know, Someone that is seven years younger than you, you really just don't know. No, and you don't do really want to hang out with either. Yeah, and you're right, like, exactly. Mm, you're like, uh, somebody else mind the child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Can yeah. somebody tell the child in the corner she's irritating? Yeah. Right, exactly. And so it's, yeah, that's, so that's those obvious, are the differences. That's a situation that's going to be hard. That's yeah. really going to be hard. It's difficult because I think I'm grateful that I was smart enough to shut up. I'm grateful for that. Okay that I was smart enough to know, shut, shut, shut up here, don't be, right? Yeah. I think I was smart enough to know that. And I think that sometimes that can come across as, oh, she doesn't have anything to say. Do you have anything to add here? Oh, okay. She doesn't yeah. say, what do you think? Yeah, If so if people are driven, yeah. yeah. Some people are driven mm-hmm. and some people, are not that they're not driven, but yeah. they're, their whole experience I don't is know completely what different. to be driven about. Yes. <laughs> Can somebody teach me what you're talking about? What does that yeah. mean? What is a royalty? Yeah. What, what does that mean exactly? Record company, production company, what's the difference? Yeah, you can see why straight away there's that. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking worlds. about. And so you and then become quite insular. Yeah. And afraid because you're like, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. So I'm just going to not say and anything. And it's a job then. Yeah. It's just a job. It's a job. And imagine, you know, anybody that's in a job where maybe they're not as experienced as other people, you're going to be a little bit less, yeah. you know. Yeah, You probably course. won't go out for coffee with everyone. You probably wouldn't yeah. go for lunch. You'd probably go the other way, yeah. <laughs> right? And you wouldn't stand around. You know, just think about it in, in an office environment. You just, you know, if you feel a little... Yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. And, and then by, by that third album, you're... You know, you, you did separate songs. Mm-hmm. You recorded, was it All My Love and I'm Still Crying? I'm very proud of myself, I remember. Yeah, but, it's yeah. pretty amazing. <laughs> um, and do, were you on each other's songs on the album or did you, like, were you on each song or? No. Don't believe so. 
so you just went away and did separate stuff and okay that's hard yeah but you know at the time and they know this because I've said that to them I was told they didn't want to record with me so I was like well I'll just get on with it myself was that do you think that that was the management kind of manipulating so that it didn't implode the way Louise left and they go well let's try and keep this as long as we can so we'll just keep the two separate camps I do believe that we've talked about that also and I do believe there was some management involvement there record company involvement where um, instead of going you know sit you lot down in a room together and sort your stuff out when you come out well then we can get on with this there was never that kind of Outside okay, influence yeah. of kind of, you know, like a mum would go, bang your heads together, sort it out, you two. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That kind yeah, of, and that a, that kind so of helpful, approach. Like. And that, I think, would have been really helpful. But it, it just wasn't like that. I, I interviewed Adele from Bewitched, actually, and she said that she thinks... She's lovely. She thinks that uh, if you get a record deal, the first thing that should happen is you go into counselling. Mm. Because it's just like you have to yeah. have your head in the right place. Because yeah. it is, it, if stuff festers, it's just... Oh, it's, yeah. It's dangerous. It, so, it is, yeah. So when you left, so it was, or when you were fired, I suppose, yeah. removed, yeah. Um, what was that like? Because that was after, wasn't that after, you had the number one. After Wanna Be The Only One. Greatest hits mm-hmm. around that. Yeah. So when that happened, did you know that was happening? Did you, were you aware at all that there was going to be? No, I had no idea. Wow. So what were, what were you guys, you, you guys were getting ready to do on the record, was it, or? So we were doing, uh, we did Want to Be the Only One at Party in the Park. And, you know, it was, it, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a healthy place because you know, at that point it was separate everything, separate cars, separate dressing rooms, separate <laughs> airports sometimes, separate everything. Um, Okay, that's... Yeah. And there was, you know, there was one particular incident where... I don't think I've shared that with them, so I'll probably leave that alone. Uh, you know, and I was like, oh, this is really not very nice. But I'm, I'm really... It's funny, but what I've learned about myself is I, I am seriously resilient in harsh environments so like if you put me somewhere that's spiky because i'm like i okay, I, I, can, I do i do i can just and so in, you can just yeah i can just go whoosh i'll handle this and handle it the best that i can wow. and so i really wasn't i knew it wasn't healthy because i could tell it wasn't a good it's not you know i wasn't happy and there'd be you know lots of meltdowns and lots of tears and lots of and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I had a really supportive family. My mum was amazing at the time. That must be so hard for your mum. Like, yeah. you know, when you think about it, because on one hand, all of her friends and all these people are going, oh, my God, Kelly, <laughs> Kelly is a pop star and wealthy <laughs> yeah. and all this amazing stuff that you want for your child. Mm. Whereas she's seen the other side of you just really unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. She was out on the road a lot with me, you know, because I didn't manage some trips. And so she'd come out and do trips with me and, and as much as she could. Do you know how it was for, for Esther and Bernie? Were they, do you, do you think that they were as unhappy or were they unhappy with you? Because I thought it was interesting in the big reunion where when you all got together, you talked about everything that, you, that was achieved and it, they were massive achievements and that none of you had enjoyed it. It's tough, isn't it? It's that juxtaposition. It's like, you know, some of the best pieces of art were made because somebody killed themselves or because they... <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It, I know, I, but I'm being flippant for a yeah, purpose. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though. I'm being flippant for a purpose. It's, it, it, that's yeah. what creates amazing art is, you know, like... Why did we all love Amy Winehouse, right? Yeah, of course. It was tragic. What was going on in the background was tragic. And we we could all see what was happening. And it was all so raw and open. But yet still, she was making this amazing art 
writing yeah. amazing songs and you know and expressing yeah. herself so beautifully and we're like and we all love it and saw 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 right and that's the thing you can't have that going on with three girls without everybody involved knowing what's going on everyone, oh, everybody everyone knowing everybody all I, three I, I went happy, out on, all, you know. I went to the theater the other night and there were people who were around at the time and they were like goodness me I don't know you know, they were talking, sharing stuff from their side of things and they just saw how difficult it was, you know. And it was very difficult. And mm. the girls have shared it was equally as difficult for them and they said they had things going on that I didn't know about in their lives and and stuff. Um, and, yeah, it's a great... It, it's a great... Um, a great learning curve for life. But for me... God, I'm, it sounds terrible, but I'm just so relieved it's over. Wow. I know, it's really sad, I know, because a lot of fans are like, are you going to get back together? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, so there won't, there must, like, after the big reunion, surely there must have been offers for, like. Yeah, but, but yeah. I'd, I'd made it clear before I even started. I said. You're not doing that. Like, I don't want to revamp our career. I just want to clear the air. Because there would be no other way that we would be forced into a room. Because it's much easier to just ignore it and walk through life like, oh, that was then, this is now. Yeah. Like, actually, no, because I, I want closure. Did you enjoy that experience, Big Room? Yeah, I mean, it was lovely, the sort of, um, uh, the nostalgia side of it, you know, meeting people you haven't seen for years like damage and it was just so much fun we had such a great time and it was lovely because like my children were with me yeah it was great like they'd be standing on the side of the stage and going mama you're amazing and when would they get to see that right so yeah so from that point of view it was really nice and i met my husband after eternal so it was really nice for him to go Oh, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, so from that side of it, the nostalgia side was lovely. And and I'm a massive fan of music, so I love, you know, doing that. And getting to go in the studio and record vocals was lovely. And just seeing how much I've grown as well, you know. It's like, actually, mm. that's really easy. I can do that now in my sleep. <laughs> oh, great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas before, it's it was so like, comfortable. Ah, you know. Because when you're, that's the thing, actually, when you're that age, you've yeah. got so much going on in your head mm. about whether you're good enough and whether you measure up. And yeah. then with a little bit of age, you just yeah, kind of go... Yeah, age and experience, you go, Christ, I don't it care is. about Let's that do at this. all. <laughs> yeah, that was fine. <laughs> if it's not good, we'll do it again. Yeah. That's the way this exactly. business works. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's why you do it in a recording studio. But yeah. it was, you know, it was seamless and um and I you know so, so those types of things I really enjoyed and it was it was really nice just to sit with the girls and say well, what was all that about and did you have you continued your relationship with them like do you like have you been in touch since um <laughs> it's actually no different to I thought it was going to be like Esther and I will send a text message to each other every now and then, just check in on each other and, and say, you know, are you okay? How are you? How are the children or whatever? And that's really nice. Mm. And that it's nice because it's genuine. You know, yeah, it's a genuine, yeah. how are you? You know, you crossed my mind, are you okay? Yeah, that is <clears> nice. Yeah, and that's, for me, lovely. Like, it's exactly how I would want it to be, you know? Yeah. And there's no sort of faking holding hands just because that's what people want to see you know it's just real it's just how are you yeah Yeah, that is nice how are you so it's it's that's really nice and and Lou and I um it's lovely like I was just so behind her for Strictly and oh of course yeah um and that's really nice too it's it's a it's a really good place it's a really good place it's healthy really nice you know and it's nice for us because We've come, su- you know, we've come like so full circle, circle. Yeah. you know, <clears throat> and it's really nice. So we get to share lots of nice things together now, which is, you know, really nice. Yeah. One of the things that happened when you left Eternal, you got a solo deal and you released a couple of singles. <laughs> and they were, I actually really liked those singles. Thank you. <laughs> and it was such a shame the album never came out. Yeah. Um, so during recording Breakfast in Bed, I um I got ill, contracted lupus, 
And I was in Genoa. It's beautiful sunshine. I remember I was on a rock and I jumped off into the water and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. It's so hot and warm. And, and I tried really hard to work through it. Just, it was just too poorly, really. Yeah. My vocal was a bit more like a squeak than a vocal. And like, even when I listen back to some of the recordings now, I'm like, gosh, you're really poorly, right? But you, you, you know, when you're in it and, you know, you just get on with it. Yeah. What were the first signs that, that you were ill? Um, I woke up one morning. This was after I got the facts from the girls. Um, a couple of weeks after I woke up and I couldn't bend my right index finger. And I just thought maybe I'd slept on my hand funny and maybe got a bit stiff. But then that finger became like a claw, so my whole hand became this permanent claw that wouldn't open. So then I was sort of struggling to, you know, brush my teeth and get dressed and you've got yeah. this claw, right? So then you're thinking about what you wear because you can't do buttons, for example. So then, you know, so I was like, this isn't good. And I went to the doctors and the problem with lupus is it gets misdiagnosed. So they were like, oh, you've just got a post-viral infection. It happens, don't worry, just take paracetamol three times a day. Wow. So I said, okay. So I went back and I did that. And and three weeks later, I'm covered in ulcers down my body, my face, my legs, in my hair, in my nose, my ears, and they're weeping constantly. Um, and they wouldn't heal. And then the ones in my mouth were, I mean, hideous, like, awful so I couldn't eat so I'm losing a lot of weight so then I went back I went to the dentist because I thought well maybe it's something you know maybe I've got gingivitis or something something. so I go to the doctors and he said I went to the dentist the dentist said look your GP doesn't know what he's talking about you've got lupus the dentist it was diagnosed by your dentist yeah wow my dentist said you've got lupus I've seen it before you've got lupus and I said, what's that? He said, look, I'm going to recommend you to this GP, doc, private doctor. Go see him. I did. Harley Street Harley Street then recommended me to go to the lupus specialist, London Independent Hospital. And then I went privately and then I got diagnosed. I was taken in at my appointment. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I got the appointment. I got there and he said, you're not going home. And I was like, what? And how did your life change? Well, you know, um, it, I've got ulcers all over my face, yeah. right? And yeah. I'm arthritic at that point. And so this had spread all the way up my right side of my body. So um, I couldn't lift my shoulder. I couldn't turn, twist, lift my legs. So at that point, I was having to be aided to get in and out of bed, um, go to the toilet, shower, everything, everything. I was unable to do anything for myself. So then I was admitted to hospital and I remember um, Dennis coming to see me in the hospital and he just looked at me and like, you know, I knew what he could see, obviously, so I knew what I looked like. And he just said, look, your health is more important, you just stay here and get well. And I was like, what does that mean? He was like, it doesn't matter what it means. He said, you just, get well and, and I remember him looking like he was really like teary and he wouldn't and he just wouldn't cry and I was like okay he's like I'm just going to cancel everything and I was like okay and that was that and then and he cancelled everything with the producer and so I was working with Simon Climby at the time in Genoa and everything got cancelled and then I was in hospital for about, I don't know, two, three weeks, wow. having treatment. Um, I don't remember very much about the time. I just remember a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember a lot of pain. Um, yeah, lots and lots of pain. And that's all I really remember. And when did that turn around? When did you start finished, to recover? I finished the treatment. And then I came out and I went to a spa, um, like a recovery place, but where they had like a medical team. 
and I went there and then that was the first time I rode a bike again. I remember it really well. And and considering yeah. you were a dancer. Yeah. Like you were famous yeah. for the splits. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's exactly. gonna do her comparative piece and then it was Yeah. Riding a bike. Kelly. Yeah, it was like wow, it was amazing, I remember. Um and then after that I started to sort of build myself back up and then after doing that I think I did higher than heaven. But I just wasn't I just couldn't cut it. Just it's just too soon. Yeah. Just Soon. So the record was done. It was right. Re- record was had was done. Yeah, that was already done. It was when I was going back to record the the rest of the album. Okay. I just couldn't do it. And he, I remember in the studio, you know, Simon would go, go again, go again. I was like, you know, and he was like, go again, go again. And I remember I'd be there for hours on one line, like go again, go again. And I was like, can't do it, Simon. From I'm somebody sorry. that didn't want to be a singer. Yeah. You're, yeah, that's... I was like, I can't do it, Simon, I can't do it. And after you recovered, when you got, you know, you were... Because mm-hmm. you, you went into, you were in remission for a long time. Ten years. Ten, ten years in remission, wow. And th- wasn't there a brief eternal reunion around 2006 or something? Yeah, I think, what happened? Um, oh, it was an old touring manager that we'd worked with before. He said, I'd really like to get the band together to do a tour. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. And at the time, Vernie was doing, she was in the middle of qualifying as a barrister. So she was like, I can't, yeah, I just, I can't do it. I, I've got to do what I'm doing. And Esther was like, yeah, I'm up for it. And so we started promotion and then the tour was cancelled. Okay. So we were like, okay, fine. All right, okay. Yeah. So then it just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we just went back to life as normal. Mm. It's been such a crazy... <laughs> it has been such a crazy ride and then at the end of it there's 17 years as an agent mm. like it's about four lifetimes <laughs> because like it, there's like the mm. the entertainer yeah. The, uh, yeah. the I suppose the, the victim of an illness yeah. which is so life changing and then there is the business side yeah. because like 17 years as an agent you know if you were <laughs> like if you were trading on on you know, Kelly from Eternal is an agent now. Yeah. You know, you get 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. At the most. Yeah, you get about 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then people fall away. But 17 years. Mm. I mean, when, when, when you find somebody and you believe in them, mm. you know, I mean, essentially you're the, you're the dentist. It's, yeah, you know. I am. Uh, what, quite funny, isn't How it? do you approach, like, because you know what they're in for from the, the world of entertainment. Like, yeah. Uh, how, what do you think, being an eternal and that whole experience what do you think that has given you that you can then pass on to other people no BS right you can't do that with me you just can't don't bother like you know the minute I smell a whiff of complaining or you know I'm too good for I'm like listen yeah on your bike (laughs) because I can't really I just can't yeah. It just, you can't. Like, I don't want to do this and do that and do that. I'm like, well, then get out of the business, right? Who said it comes on a plate? Yeah. Sorry, but who told you that? It's a myth. <laughs> it's hard work. It's no different to any other job, only it's, there's a lot less thanks involved. How about that? Like, just shut up and work hard, right? That's it. And I think that's what my clients say, that they respect about me, is that I'm not telling them any, to do anything I haven't already done myself. Okay. Yeah. And tell me, have you ever said, I'm going to make you a star, kid? Never. <laughs> because that's just a whole load of crock. Never. I mean, I've made a few stars along the way, which has been amazing. And I'm, you know, really grateful for that. You know, when I look at people like Ricky Norwood and, and um, you know, Naomi Scott, who's like, you know, she's now playing the pink Power Ranger in the new Power Rangers movie. And, and I look at them and I think that's amazing, right? Because when I discovered Naomi, she was 12 with braces. And when I look at her now, she's phenomenal. And so that, that it's, it's a great feeling. It's, it's, it's really great, you know, seeing moments where Ricky went to pick up his NTA and I was like... That's my boy. Feels great, right? I'm like... And he was like, I'm not going to win, I'm not going to win. I was like, wear your best suit because you're going to win. He was like, no, I'm not. I was like... 
Here's the number. His name is Christopher Charles. He's a tailor. He's on Savile Row. Go get measured. He was like, I was just going to wear my, my, my suit from Marks and Spencer's. I was like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Not while I represent like, you. Kelly knows that. I was like, and so he went, and then when he won, he was like, Kels, I'm so glad you made me change my suit. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Because <laughs> that picture is everywhere and for the rest of his life, right? Because it's, it's that moment. You don't want to wear your own Vanessa suit. No. I was like, no, Ricky, please. I was like, here's his number. You go, you get tailored, and and he was he looked amazing. And I'm, even when I look back at that picture now, I'm like, I'm so good at my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. uh, and a privilege. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been so absolutely welcome. great. You're so welcome. Well, I told you she was fantastic. That was Kelly Bryan. This interview was recorded on Valentine's Day at the Leicester Square Theatre and I can't think of a nicer way to spend Valentine's Day than with Kelly Bryan. Last week, Louise Redknapp said to look out for an eternal reunion in the future and who knows, wouldn't it be absolutely lovely? I think somebody really owes those girls a good time. My thanks to Kelly and to Emma at the Advocate Agency and special thanks to Andy who runs Kelly's website. He listens to this very podcast so he was able to put in a good word when I requested an interview with Kelly. What a lovely man. Thank you very much, Andy. Kelly is always raising money for lupus and would really like it if fans could donate on justgiving.com. There's so much about lupus that is unknown and research needs funding. So if you liked this podcast, please do click on the link to donate. It's I gave to Kel's cause, C-O-Z, on the justgiving.com website. You can also click the link that's in the podcast information. Think of it this way. Podcasting is quite intimate, right? Me and Kelly have just been talking into your ears for an hour. Kelly has shared lots of stuff about her life. If this was in real life, you would buy her a drink. You might even buy me a drink. And by drink, I mean a cocktail. She was an eternal, for crying out loud. You're not going to refuse the woman a decent drink. So if every listener donates the price of a cocktail for Kelly, and maybe one for me, that's a lot of money to a great cause. If you donate, forward us the email notification to fascinated at headstuff.org because I'm going to try and do something nice for everyone that donates who is a listener to the show. So make sure and forward them to fascinated at headstuff.org. Kelly is on Twitter at Kelly Bryan. Check out Eternal's Greatest Hits on iTunes. God, it is so good. Every song is absolutely brilliant. It actually went top 40 again during the big reunion. Get subscribed because there is another new episode coming very, very soon. At Garode Farrelly if you want to follow me on Twitter and find out more information about the show. For the next episode, the guest is pretty amazing. Keep an eye on Twitter, I'll tell you soon. Thanks for listening. Something I always forget to do when I'm interviewing these people is I always forget to get a photograph with them and then I always really, really regret it afterwards. But what's worse than forgetting to take a photograph is taking a terrible one. So we took about 400. I look like I've got a big sweaty head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I look fat and drunk. sweaty head. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a big sweaty head. I love it. It's these stage lights. They're just so unforgiving. Yeah, just as a record, I've joined Eternal. (laughs) Hi, hashtag, I'm in. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at the Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com kids. For 25 years, the Home Depot has been building confident, future doers with its free kids' workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Wasplies last, U.S. only.